You're listening to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast with Sarah Kinzer and Hector Martinez, part of the TCD Podcast Network. I mean, how do you see what you do on Facebook impact how people are on Facebook? Is Facebook salvageable, you know? From Absolutely. absolutely. So I'll, I'll put it this way. One of the things that the Lord showed me is the reason why we don't like Facebook is because we handed it over to the enemy and we let it be his territory. This is true for Instagram, TikTok, all of them, all the social media. It, it, it became the enemy's territory. And then we sat back and went, it's so scary out there. Well, yeah, because we didn't penetrate it with light. We didn't go in there with our stomping boots and say, no, this is God's territory. And so that has been my, that has been the mission that God has called me to in this job. That's what keeps me going on the days where it's dark and it's scary and I don't like it. As I say, okay, but you know what? Claiming that territory is messy business. If you go through and you read through scripture, when they were claiming that territory, man, things had to die. There was destruction. Now it starts though with those who know Jesus, which means we have to come at it with a lens. What do I need to not be typing on there anymore? What do I need to stop doing? Because I can point the finger all day long, but if I'm still putting that stuff out there, then what right do I have to say? In my years of leadership in, in the social work field, had lots of interns and practicum students from different, a number from like Christian organizations that would come that were on like a youth pastor track or a pastor's track of schooling. And I would say here, let me just paint a picture for what your, the, the expression of your degree and what that could look like by not going in the church doors and kind of my plea with them was there will, you know, there's always going to be church positions and opportunities to be a pastor in a church. People that get this, that are skilled at figuring out how to incarnate and be Jesus, you know, Christ present and visible um, in a secular context, those people are super rare. And if you, you know, if you have a calling to be a shepherd, consider what it would be like to be one of those, those people that steps out of that context and comes into you know, uh, brings Christ into these, these situations and brings the very particular tool of redemption that we have, right? There's a lot of work happening in the social work sector that is brilliant and wonderful and actually looks no different than what church work looks like. There's very little difference, except there's these key pieces around. We have this word of salvation and redemption and grace, right? And we have a particular tool in our toolbox for that. And um, what would it be like to express your pastoring shepherding heart in that context and bring that very spirit empowered tool to the table and so yeah no ministry absolutely you can be a pastor right consider it a chaplaincy if that is what you need it to be right be that in i think frankly all believers are called to be the chaplains in whatever space that they're in we are christ visible and present in those contexts what does it mean to serve and to minister and to shepherd the particular group of people that god has empowered to you um i'm not in this conversation uh, to really win or lose i'm just in the conversation and obviously we don't see a like so let my life be my argument over the long haul and it'll either prove yes or no whether what i was saying uh, was worth hearing the other thing is with um virtual uh, that's not a new idea 
you know, Oswald Chambers, you know, uh, greatest devotional of all time. Maybe he met 50 of the people that ever heard what he had to say. <laughs> and still over the generations, that the stuff that he put out to people he couldn't see, uh, he could never talk to, still bearing fruit. I mean, I visited his grave in Egypt because I wanted to, to bring Thanksgiving to this man who had discipled me, a man I never met. So uh, I am praying that when my life is over here, that the things I put out on social media and I got, you know, I've been fortunate enough to author or co-author three books and I put out all kinds of other little booklets. Um, you know, if they fall into the hands or into the minds of people uh, beyond my lifetime, uh, then that's what I'm talking about, good stewardship. You know, I, I don't need to measure it. Mm. It's not that for me to measure it. Uh, the, God, the God I serve will measure it. But it's up for me when I stand before him. Uh, I want him to hear those two words. I want to hear those two words that are kind of mostly just heard in a steakhouse, you know. Well done. <laughs> uh, so. Pastoring means that you go where people are, right? I mean, so on Sundays, a lot of them are at church. Um, whenever I'm at the football game, a lot of people are at the football game, you know, seeing, like you said, at Target. But another place that people are is online. And I think that I don't have the luxury of completely disengaging. And I know guys who do that, um, you know, I just think we have a different way of looking at it. Like that's a real part of life now. I can't ignore it. I mean, I, I wish that I could. It would be a lot easier. But I need to know, I mean, people are telling me what they're thinking. Like they're putting it out there. This is what I think. I think for us to not engage in that way is to really miss out. And I don't even necessarily have to comment on something or like something or, you know, whatever, but it helps me understand better what my congregation thinks about any number of topics. And that helps me as I'm crafting sermons. That helps me whenever I'm bedside in the hospital. That helps me whenever I'm uh, leading a class and discipling, because I know the things that people are struggling through and it allows me to speak to those more effectively. So if I don't like the social media is a, a window into the soul of congregants. And if you don't avail yourself of that, you can still be a pastor, but you might, you know, you might have some challenges. So what do you tell your people about social media? What do you want people to hear about social media? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we try to teach is honor and respect. Just treat people with honor and respect. I think that, and, you know, I'm not the first person to say this, just we treat people differently online because we see them as avatars rather than as human beings. And that's the problem. Trying to reach a billion people, it doesn't work that way in 22. You know, maybe in, you know, Billy Graham, 1995, preached one sermon. It was literally bounced around the world off a bunch of satellites, translated in real time. Billy Graham, 1995, preached to. One billion people. The message actually was on uh, the mission field, being on mission. You could do that in 1995. 2022, Seth Godin will tell you. Actually, it was 2020. Seth Godin will tell you, nobody cares. You'll never get a billion people to agree on anything. you got to have a much smaller conversation. You want to tell the smallest amount of people possible an idea. Get them to own it and get them to tell someone else. Seth Godin, Jewish, by the way, not Christian, basically eloquently describes how Jesus built his church 2,000 years ago and says that that's the most effective way for us to do marketing in today's culture. And yet we're still trying to broadcast a sermon out to 
hundreds of thousands, hoping that we can be all to everyone so that some may know. Listen, Jesus did, call, Paul called us to do that, I believe. And there is truth in being everything to everyone. But if we want to effectively reach people, it's not with a megaphone. Uh, it's with a micro conversation. It's sitting down and dialoguing and relationally connecting with people. And, and this is the thing that a lot of our big churches miss. Now, if we really focus to answer your question, if we really focused on discipling people, on building those relationships, small church, I'm actually more excited about you than I am the mega giga. Stop broadcasting your services. Don't put the eggs in that basket. Take that relational energy that's in your DNA where you got to love everybody. You got to hug everybody. You got to talk to everybody on Sunday morning. Figure out how to do that digitally with people. Not in a Sunday morning environment, but within people's circle of influence, within their physical and digital reach. Take that relational energy that small churches are so good at and do that digitally. Yeah, I was thinking, like I thought as I've looked at what you're doing for this era or for even like, I mean, it's, it's online. So like what you, what you're doing is basically like stained glass for online, you know, hmm. and the, and the purpose of stained glass, those, those beautiful things that, you know, were done all those years ago was purpose was not just to be like, this is cool. I made this really cool thing. It was to drive you to the story. It was to drive you into, you know, they have this in the, the old churches and it's like, you know, the point was to draw you in to the word and to, so the art in itself was a motivating piece of discipleship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was one, th you know, and that's one of those art history topics. When you look into it's super interesting, especially when you go to museums and you see like the sculpture and the paintings and the work, it's like, it's almost like a history project. Like here is our life and here's what's going on. And I think we miss some of that today. Like, like, you know, our, our social media presence and everything we put there is kind of what's left, you know, afterwards. So yeah. I don't know. It, it, there's a there's a real interesting question for sure, along with online church and virtual church and all that stuff. Like, what happens to all of this content we've made a couple hundred years from now? Like, like, like whose responsibility is it to carry this on? Like, is it even going to exist? So, yeah, there's some there's some interesting questions there for sure. All it takes is half a Netflix episode a day, and we can get through the book of we can get through the New Testament. And they were like. Really? You think so? I was like, you know what? I'm going to go on. I'm going to go on Instagram. No, it was on TikTok. So I'm going to go on TikTok. Just join me on there because I know you guys follow me on TikTok. And I was like, you know what? Just, just come on my life and just let's just, just read it together. And there was like three of them and then two of their friends. All five of them came on. And so there's like six total people on TikTok at the time who came on. And I just read the first, I think it was the first four chapters of Matthew. Or it was like the first five chapters of Matthew. And I did it in 30 minutes. And then I just kind of said, see, we're done. And then I accidentally kind of just shared some thoughts. I was like, hey, and by the way, if you're going to read this, you know, just ask God to speak to you through it. Like ask God to guide you and to lead you to his wisdom. Because here's what I'm hearing from God. Like as I'm reading this, I don't have time to break up, break down all of this, but this is what. And so I just kind of did that. And they were like, hey, can you, can you do the next five next, tomorrow? Like, let's do it again. And I was like, Sure, I guess. I mean, it's only 30 minutes, no big deal, you know? And so I did it again. And then I'd say by the end of the week, there was about 50 people on TikTok mm -hmm. attending regularly. So I'm like, okay, now there's pressure. Like I have to, 
have to commit to this. Like I, I mean, I, there, I saw the same names popping up and they just kept popping up and they kept popping up. And I remember like seeing them and knowing them by name. And also we're becoming a community around just reading the Bible. Like, and I wasn't trying to teach anything. None of them knew I was a pastor. They just uh, saw a random loud black dude with a hat on backwards. And he's just kind of just, you know, reading the book. And then by a month, there was about a hundred people coming on regularly. And they're like, Hey, can you, can you keep on reading? I was like, this this whole doing this live thing is uh, fine because I offered I said you know we're just gonna do the gospel so I said, you know we'll do Acts because Acts is you know that's the that's the birth of the church I would I love Acts that's one of my favorite books in the Bible yeah sure let's do it and then three months later we read through the entire New Testament the other thing is are we gonna then say that the idea is if we build it they will come do you know what I mean right. if we have the building the physical space they will come because that isn't happening I don't know if we've not been paying attention but that isn't happening. And it hasn't tra- it hasn't stopped people being systemically racist. It hasn't stopped people being bigoted. It hasn't. There's a lot it hasn't done, and that's not to. I'm not saying therefore get rid of it all, at, at all. I'm I'm more than up for it. I'm just saying let's do it all then, <laughs> yeah. because if if we believe God is at work in the world, let's find where He is. Jesus said He only did what He saw the Father doing. What's the Father doing in social media? What's the Father doing in digital platforms? What's the Father doing? Yeah. I know what we prefer. I know what we want. And I'm, and I'm not saying, and I'm not ignoring that the father is doing something in our physical spaces, but what is the father doing amongst those who, who will not walk into a building because the last time they did, they were judged and abused. Yeah. What is the father doing there? How will the father reach someone who, will, who, who doesn't feel safe about, who just doesn't feel safe or for whom it's dangerous dangerous because they are of another religion or another space. It's dangerous for them to enter a building. What's yep. the father doing there? Yeah. I think we just need a, a, a larger creative imagination. And when we ignore the beauty and the potential of a, of this complex space, our vision is too small. I've wrestled with that same sort of critique as well about like, it's just online. Um, and it's only been recently that I really realized that like, um, it is the public square of, of our world today, whether we like it or not. Right. And there's, there's so much wrong with the way that the platforms are like there's, it was created out of individualism, right? So each platform is focused on you, the person and very little communal spaces like church organizations or whatever have like super, uh, a, a huge amount of following, right? So it's just like naturally catered to focus on you, which is a, a part I've always been really self-conscious and uncomfortable with. But at the same time, like it, you think of Jesus wandering the markets and preaching or in, in the midst of a crowd, or that's where Socrates had his you know classes was in the public square and people could come by and debate back and forth in medieval times for Christianity, like there would be these, these criers that would come out and read from scrolls and like this, whether we like it or not, this is the public square. And so as a pastor, my question is, do we want pastors in the public square or not? 